from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast. It's the tiny clap. Tiny, very unsynchronized. three times. Let's try that again. Try that again. (laughs) That was your fault, Michelle. (laughs) Sounded fine to me. I think they both were. (laughs) Okay. It's the Tiny House Podcast. And I'm Perry. I'm MJ. And this is Mark. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Uh, Mark is sporting a scruffy beer today. Oh, yeah. I got Santa Claus going on. Indeed. Actually, that's true. And what's the occasion? He's going to play Santa Claus. It's just it's my <laughs> Q4 beard. Q4? This is a planned annual Q4. thing? Every yeah. year. Yeah. It, we, I started it October 1st when my wife was out of town. <laughs> she came back four days later. I spent time with her girlfriend, came back, <laughs> looked at me, and she said, Oh, sorry. Oh, are you doing that again? <laughs> yep. So uh, it's her favorite time of oh year. Oh, God. Then. She loves it. But now it's at least somewhat soft. It's the most. Wonderful time Absolutely. of the year. Speaking of which, it is holiday season, and will this, yes. oh, this episode will come for Yeah, happy January, everybody. <laughs> Hope you have not screwed up your uh, <laughs> resolutions already. Yeah. <laughs> Our cue is so lovely, isn't it? It is. Like, we have this really <laughs> chill, like, yeah, we'll get around to releasing your show sometime <laughs> in February. Two months after your uh, event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking about New Year's resolutions, we were just discussing pounds with our newest guest. Our guest who's on the show tonight, today. This morning. (laughs) (laughs) Redo. (laughs) Mandy Lee, whose last name rhymes with T, is on the show today. Mandy. (laughs) Mandy was, um, Mandy is a professional photographer, and I'm just dying to find out how she made that happen, because there's so many people out there taking pictures and aren't making a damn, damn. Mm -hmm. and uh, so many websites out there that are taking people's photographs and giving them away for free as stock footage in the uh, common company. What's that thing called, Mark? CC? Open? Creative Commons. Creative Commons, yeah. Mm -hmm. Creative Commons. And uh, you're probably asking Tiny House uh, podcast listeners, why on earth are we talking to a photographer? Well, she just happens to live out of a teardrop trailer. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we talked to Guillaume and uh, this lifestyle, this simplicity and flexibility and, you know, embracing your inner creative self. Yeah. I think it's... it's, uh, I think it's a really, really nice open forum for people like Mandy. Totally. So welcome to the show, Mandy. Thank you so much. It's been all I could do not to be making noise laughing over here at your intro. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we like to hear. <laughs> Sticking to the rules. She, yeah. she pays attention to the rules. <laughs> yeah. Not all of our guests do, but yes. you, you, you stuck to the rules. <laughs> yeah, good for you. So, so um, <clears throat> like I said at the intro there, I'm really fascinated to find out uh, how much money you're making and how... <laughs> <laughs> and how you're selling oh your God. photos when the internet is awash in free, really good shots. That's actually not even a joke. He, he does not. that like yeah, every no. show. Like, how much money did you make last week? <laughs> Let's see your tax returns, Mr. Trump. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a, that's a really good question. And it is actually a question I get a lot. And I get a lot of people um, who will send me emails or Facebook or Instagram messages and just be like, hey, I want to do what you're doing. Can you tell me how you do it? as if I could possibly answer it in like one sentence. I just type out and all of a sudden you're 
dreams are going to be made because no, I answered your question. No, and, no, no, no. Um, that's just not quite how it works. Um, but it is a good question. And, um, you know, obviously I have a lot of insight to that. But I think at the core of it, I feel like if you are passionate about something and if you want it badly enough, then you will do everything it takes to get there, which is kind of um, how I came upon it is just um, the biggest misconception is that this is an easy job. People think I am on permanent vacation and I just go la-di-da, take pictures and then boom, I make money. And like, that is, <laughs> that is just not it. You know, um, I, it's the, the number one thing I tell people is that it's a ton of work. I work like, I mean, any free moment I have, I'm sitting on my computer hustling, um, or taking pictures or editing. And, uh, it, it's really a lot of work. And then, and then the other thing I tell people is don't expect to be an overnight success. Mm. You know, some people think that they can buy a camera, quit their job and go on the road and like all of a sudden be famous. And, um, I'm not famous and I've been doing this for two years. You know, it's, it's, um, don't expect to be an overnight success and, uh, and work really, really hard. And if you want it bad enough and you're passionate enough about it, then, you know, you're going to find success. So Mandy, let me just jump in and say that even though you've been, while you've been doing the photography as a professional for two years, you, you mm -hmm. worked in the field for almost 20 oh, yeah. years, yeah. 20 years. And, and um, go ahead. Oh no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, working in camera stores and it looks like you also made, did you study photography also? Um, I never majored in it. I took photo classes in school, but I actually majored in Chinese um, say, say I, something in Chinese. Uh, ni hao. No, that's Say my photographs like are awesome in Chinese. Yeah, say my photographs are awesome in Chinese. Say say that in oh Chinese. Oh my part gosh! Too. No. Okay, here's the thing. I'm crazy, crazy, crazy rusty in Chinese okay. because after majoring in Chinese, I realized that photography was still my passion and okay. stuck with that. Okay. Um, but. Yeah, I've worked in camera stores since I was 16 years old. Um, so for the last 17 years, I've been in camera stores and until I hit the road, basically. Um, so I've been very familiar with the industry. I've worked at local camera stores. So I got to get, you know, super close to the sales reps for all the companies. So I like, you know, I understand the industry and how it works. And um, what I found was that the real life experience of working with people in the industry was a thousand times more valuable than any photographic schooling I could ever get. Um, and, and I have to be, as a professional photographer, I have to say, I don't think paying for a photographic arts degree is really worth the money. Mm. I, I have to say that. I, um, I think real life experience is so much more valuable. Yeah. The um, so let's let's go and change subject really quick because I'm sure Michelle's uh -huh. over there thinking, God, are we going to get to tiny houses? <laughs> um, so why did you, so you're on the road? How how often are you on the road? And um, what is it about? How, why did you choose um, that thing you pull behind your vehicle as opposed to like a Winnebago or something? right? So it's, um, awesome. it's kind of a long story, but I'll be like <laughs> super short and brief. No, no, no. Um, and then no, if, no, no. if people want to know more, they can they can ask more, but. Um, you know, I, I've, I was in a camera store basically working a nine to five job for 17 years and, you know, making a living as a photographer. And I was also freelancing and I was shooting at a theater and I was making a living doing what I loved, but I was also like getting super burnout about it. So um, I went on a trip to the Grand Tetons and um, I realized how much I 
crazy, missed the mountains. And it was, I had this like total epiphany. And then I went back to work and I mean, I never really, really mentally went back to work. <laughs> and three, three days after I got back from the Grand Tetons, um, I had had no plan on doing this. It was, it wasn't even a thought in my head. And three days after I got back, I was like, I should buy a teardrop. <laughs> like it just popped into my head. And this is before teardrops in the last two years have kind of gotten a little more trendy, but like mm -hmm. nobody I knew had a teardrop. I just, um, I wanted to be able to travel without having to pack all my camping gear every time it you know, it was a big ordeal. I could just leave it packed, jump in the car and just go for a weekend. So I bought a teardrop, um, totally on a whim. I didn't think about it. I didn't even shop around because I knew if I did, I'd like talk myself out of it. So I went to the um, Princess Craft, this dealership near me in Austin, and um, I saw this teardrop that had these three kind of vintagey looking stripes, um, and it's made by New Camp. And I don't usually buy things on such a weird, just an emotional feeling level, but I looked at this thing on their showroom floor, and I was just like, I belong in that. Like, I just knew I belong in that. So I bought it like that day. And, um, and then I lived in, or I started traveling in it for, for about a year, just on weekends. And, and I realized I was so depressed in my life. And the only time I was ever happy was when I was traveling in this little teardrop. Huh. And, um, and I was, I was very depressed. I'd gone through a divorce and all this stuff. And, um, and I finally realized, you know, if something makes you happy, do more of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, that's it. I've got the knowledge, the know-how I've been in the photo industry. I've really honed my landscape photography skills and I value what I do. I value my art and I know I can make a living doing this. I didn't quite know how I didn't have like a business plan or a five-year model. I just had faith in myself that I could do it. Mm. So I called my parents and I just said, this is what I need to do. I can make it work. I'm going to quit my job and go full-time in my teardrop. And they knew how happy it made me and they were so supportive and they just said, we're behind you, Mandy, go do it. So turned in my apartment notice, quit my job. Rest is history. <laughs> so what's it, what's it like? And um, so this, this teardrop trailer that you have, you mentioned the brand was what? It's um, New Camp RV, N-U-C-A-M-P. Okay. Um, they make... They make everything from a tiny teardrop to a teardrop, a tiny teardrop trailer to a little bigger one and truck campers. And um, they really focus on keeping it small and just high quality. Mm. And so that's why, I mean, when I moved into it, I took my first teardrop. I've now moved on to my, my second one. But um, the teardrop I lived in on the road for the first year I was on the road was nothing but a bed inside of walls mm -hmm. and then a kitchen that was outside and that was it and that really 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 made me you know realize that I how small you can live because that was I don't know anybody who was living as tiny as I was living at that moment um and I've since moved up to the next step up which is still crazy small it's maybe on the inside it's like five and a half feet wide by maybe I don't know nine feet it's still super tiny and, but it's really high quality. And so I can live in it year round, um, wow. 365 days a year. I'm, I'm in the, in the camper. 
What do you, what do you, that was an interesting stop. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's I just, okay. Uh, that's okay. I don't know. I wasn't sure where that, I just rambled. That's okay. So, so um, how do, I have a couple of logistical questions as a human, human logistical questions. The first one is, um, does it have air conditioning or heat? And then the second one is, where do you pee and poop? Of course, those are very common questions. So the first one, um, the trailer that I'm in now, um, I had a, my boyfriend moved in with me in February into the tiny trailer, the teardrop. And we were in that for about three months. And now we're in the slightly larger one. Um, and the one we're in now has air conditioning. It has heat. It has a hot water heater. It has a kitchen, stove, sink, fridge, everything you need except for a bathroom. And we actually opted not to get the bathroom, which was an option. Um, because what a bathroom means is one, you're like going to the bathroom, like two feet away from where you live, which just didn't seem super appealing to us. And also, you know, then you have a black tank. You've got to clean out your black tank. You've got to find places to dump. You got to carry that stuff around with you. And we're super low maintenance. And we were already living without a bathroom that we knew we could do it. So we opted not to get the bathroom. And so you pee and poo in a jar. And so as far as where we do go, um, side of the road, this is what I always tell people. So if you're somewhere public, um, anywhere public in a city or just anywhere, there is always a public restroom, right? Um, gas stations, places you're traveling. If you're in a city, a park, an RV park, anywhere there's people, there's bathrooms. And if you're somewhere where there's no people, then you don't have a problem going outside, right? Right. I guess. Uh, Yeah. In Kenya, have, they're called flying We have a toilet. shovel that we use, you know, if we have to go number two. And otherwise, we just go squat. And um, it, it just hasn't really been an issue. And then what about bathing? Do you, you hospital bath each other? Um, so <laughs> you, each other like cats? That's a great idea. You know, we don't, but I might have to initiate that idea. Um, we shower. There's oh, nothing normal. You know, people always say, what do you normally do for a shower? Well, well, it's always different. But what I can say is that the option for a shower comes up at least once a week. And we're totally fine <laughs> with showering once a week. And because that's just the kind of people we are. And I know not everybody can live that way. So I don't expect that. But on the days we don't get a shower, we buy baby wipes in yeah. bulk. And they have this very wonderful, like, mint tea scent that doesn't smell like babies. And we buy those Huggies wipes in bulk, and we just use them every day, you know, um, that we don't get a shower. Showers could come in the form of um, the location at an event I'm working, Mm. could come in a campground, Mm -hmm. could come at a friend's house, family Mm. house, you know, wherever we happen to be. There's usually a shower somewhere. Well, some people say showering every day is uh, not good for you. They do. Yeah. Um, I feel like my hair has actually been doing a little better now that I haven't been washing it quite as often. Hmm. That's another reason for my braids. One, I like braids, but two, um, also if I don't shower for like two days, then the hair is braids, period. That's why I wear braids a lot. <laughs> a couple of months ago, we took a trip, um, <clears throat> camping trip to, uh, remember Yellowstone and Tetons and so forth. We discover the joy of the truck stop bathroom, which, by the way, mm-hmm. I was very pleasantly, very pleasantly surprised. Huh. It was amazing. It was 12 bucks, clean. which is kind of super, super clean. That's huh. the, that was the thing. Like The truckers give you a rub down. <laughs> <laughs> With their belly. You know, you can get those showers for free if you phrase it right. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> nice one. Note to self. <laughs> but in this particular day, 
I was, yeah, so I was really, really surprised. And they're actually, again, every single major truck stop on the, on the interstate um, have them. And they're really, really clean. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I was really surprised. It was my first opportunity to, to take advantage of that. Well, a truck stop is certainly the place where if you ask the right way. <laughs> you can take advantage of anything. Any opportunities. No, I'm kidding. But in, in all seriousness, I always know truck stops are an option, but we never actually stopped at a truck stop. Because when it comes to, we're like super cheap. We're the cheapest travelers there are. And when it comes to smelling for a couple more days or paying $12, mm. we'll just smell. Yeah. <laughs> I would too. So, really? yeah, we wait till we can find free oh, showers. Man. Yeah. What does your boyfriend do? Um, he helps me with the business. He, um, so I've been teaching a lot of workshops and speaking at a lot of events. And uh, there's a surprising amount of behind the scenes work that has to go on. Like what? And so he'll help me with a lot of that. Um, communication, sending invoices, finding new places, getting permits for workshops, um, collection, advertising, social media. <laughs> I mean, there's just a ton of work that goes on. Downloading and um, organizing files yeah. after an event. Oh, that's pro- that sucks. I yeah. That is a big and I, deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sitting here stuck editing and uploading. And I mean, yeah, so yeah, there's actually quite a bit. And he's been really helpful. He also, uh, has taken on the duty of driving almost a hundred percent of the time now. Mm. Um, because not that I don't want to drive, but I, it used to be, I'd have an eight hour day of driving. I couldn't get squat done that day. Now I can sit in the passenger seat and I can actually edit photos and I can work and I can get stuff done. Um, because I've got him to drive and that's like crazy helpful. That's really important. What, what was he doing before he moved into your to drop? Before he was working in Boulder, Colorado, um, and he pretty much had one of his dream jobs. He was working for a climbing company. Uh, they make climbing apparel, La Sportiva, because um, he's a dirtbag climber when I found him. And um, he was living in his dream city at his dream company, um, and he left it all for me. So, Dude, that's a statement right there. Aww. Yeah. Left his dreams yeah. for some girl? Wow. Yeah, right? What's a dirt I think bag? he regrets it every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was wondering. I'd say it's those days that you're going a little longer than you should on the shower thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, we, we at least shower on the same schedule. So oh, there you go. Well, there you go. <laughs> to get a That's, day of cleaning between the two of you. Yeah, it's like the yeah. Sabbath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's a dirtbag climber? So um, a dirtbag is a term that is used... Um, with pride by the dirtbag climbers when you pretty much um, give up everything in your life to focus on nothing but climbing. Um, He was living in his Toyota Tacoma in his truck. um, And like every single day, everything you do is focused just on climbing. So a lot of them, you know, a lot of outsiders might think they're just dirty hippies who care about nothing, but really they're just so focused on nothing but climbing that um, they call themselves dirtbags and they, you know, with pride. It's a beach bum. But, uh, only, yeah. Yeah. So he actually was living in his Tacoma when I found him mm. uh, for four and a half years. And so moving into my oh, tiny little teardrop was, was actually an upgrade for him. Yeah. Which is funny. <laughs> yeah. And he got a warm body to sleep next to instead of the mm. cold wheel well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He used to, he used to sleep hugging his skis. He says, Oh, <laughs> spooning takes on a whole new meaning. Yes. When you've got yeah. someone to do it with. 
So at what point, so I believe you and I met for the first time in North Carolina, I think this year, right? I think that was the first um, time we met. Possibly. I did, uh, I did about six fests, um, tiny house fests last year. Oh, did we? So, maybe we met at Jamboree um, It could have been Florida. Yeah. I don't know. But anyways, at what point did your passion intersect with the tiny house movement? Um, just, just as a sort of dotted line connection as far as why right. you're here, well, why you're on the Tiny House podcast today. So many people know you and love your photos, so we know they're going to, of course, love this interview. But again, to connect those dots, at what <laughs> yeah, point did sure. you be like, hey, I need to go hang out with those dirtbag people? <laughs> well, what I didn't realize is that uh, when I first bought the teardrop, I bought the teardrop just as a means to go out on the weekend without having to pack stuff, just on a, as a means of transportation and a place to sleep at night. Um, so really as a, as a tool. And when I bought the teardrop, I got onto Facebook and I started joining some little teardrop groups. And what I didn't realize was that I wasn't just buying a tool. I was buying a community mm. and a lifestyle. And I didn't realize that till after I got the teardrop, I made all these, it started in the RV world. You know, I didn't right. realize there was all these people. It's like a little teardrop family. Yep. And then, um, the very first teardrop I bought actually got stolen and it kind of went social media crazy. And I got all this support from these people online. And that's when um, John Kernahan actually found me who runs a lot of the tiny house festivals. I had never even thought about the tiny house world. I never thought about this movement. I've never thought about this community and John found me. And that's when I first went to my first festival last year and since then, it has just snowballed into making this whole little tiny house family mm. and realizing what all these people are about and realizing that this lifestyle, which I guess, you know, I want to kind of promote myself, but like I didn't, I just didn't realize there were so many other people out there trying to promote the same thing. And it, it just became this huge family of goodness. <laughs> How'd your teardrop get stolen? So the first one I had, it was, you know, I hadn't quit my job yet because I bought it just to kind of travel around. And so I had it at an apartment in Austin, Texas, where I was living. And um, I had okayed it with the apartment complex to have it there. And I had had it there for an entire year. And I made the decision to move into it. So I turned in my 30-day notice, quit my job, started getting rid of all my furniture. And as I'm like organizing my teardrop and, and kind of moving into it, um, I just went out one day to put something in there and it was gone. And I'd already turned in my notice. I'd already, I was like two weeks away from leaving. And so it was a pretty devastating timing, I bet. devastating event. You know, I questioned whether I should still do it. I almost canceled my plans. And then I was like, no, screw it, Mandy, you can do it. So it was a pretty terrible, rough month, but I eventually got, got it replaced and, and hit the road. So you, you didn't have one of those things that goes on the wheels that keep it from rolling? I had um, a hitch lock, which is, uh, um, it's like a ball that goes up yeah. where your ball normally goes and it locks on there so that nobody can hook it up. Yeah. Um, but like any lock, that's kind of a deterrent. Mm -hmm. And so they had cut the pin that, that opens that up mm. and taken it, you know. So, so it was locked, but I guess not well enough. So, what's so your now, security I have like, now? now I have like three locks on my trailer and I have a wheel lock. I have a wheel claw. Yeah. I've got the hitch lock. I've got the pin lock. 
Doberman, uh, <laughs> Doberman, your boyfriend, yeah. <laughs> Low Jack, yeah. Low Jack. Right. So how much? How much was that first trailer? Uh, money wise, yeah. Brand new, it cost me eleven five. Okay, eleven thousand five hundred. And then, um, sorry. and then I had insurance on it. Yeah. You know, it's like insuring a car. Yeah. Um, they have an. A, it actually was found a few days later. Um, but it was like some meth heads had found it and started oh. smoking meth in there. Oh, and the insurance adjusters came out. They declared it total like they would a car. Mm-hmm. And so I basically got the same thing replacing it. And that got delivered to the dealership um, a couple days after I had to be out of my apartment. So I lived on friends' couches for a couple days. And then I picked it up from the dealership and I literally left Austin from picking up my teardrop from the dealership, picked it up and, and left. So it was sort of a emotional day I for me. Bet. Wow. So wow. all the stuff that you had put in the previous trailer had been destroyed. And so you, when you left from the dealership, it was basically you and the clothes on your back or something like that? Well, no, I mean, I had, um, I didn't have everything I owned in the teardrop cause I was in the process of moving into it. So I, uh, you know, I, I still had everything I needed, but it was all in my car. Oh, God. And so nothing was organized, nothing. So the first month I was on the road was like just a complete mess because mm. um, nothing was where it should be to live. And um, my car was just packed to the gills with everything I thought I needed at the time, which, you know, I got rid of, I don't know, nine tenths of my stuff and I still had too much stuff. And <laughs> wow. it was a it was a process over the next year. Every time I'd stop by my parents' house, I'd like get rid of more stuff. Like, mm-hmm. well, I haven't used this in three months. And I now have probably a less than a third of the stuff I originally left with. I thought about doing that actually. Did you? Yeah. That, well, yeah. just like, cause I've been in my house for a year now and I thought about actually going oh, gosh, back to yeah. my cabinets and my drawers and, and my bathroom. I think my bathroom stuff is getting a little out of control. So I was, I actually thought about doing that as well. Yeah. Have I used it's like this living thing in any year. people yeah. have the same problem when they live in a house for too long without moving. You just accumulate stuff. Right. And so every couple months, um, and Kendrick and I will both do this now, when we'll stop by one of our parents' house, we'll completely empty the car, because we keep a lot of stuff in the car too. We'll completely empty the trailer and the car and lay everything we own out on the yard and um and we'll organize it and then we'll get rid of anything we haven't used Mm -hmm. and we'll like have a couple items where we reassess how much we need them and i usually end up getting rid of some clothes and whatever other random things we haven't used and then we'll repack it and Mm -hmm. i think people should do that with their house (laughs) (laughs) it's really funny though because it's um on some levels it's non-intentional but on other levels it is you know like for instance i just got back from a trip to disney world all I brought mm-hmm. back was one uh, lapel pin and one pair of socks. Good for and you. Boy, if that there is, seems it, unusual. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I even passed by a warehouse, a boot warehouse, where, oh, you, buy wow. one, there you, where you buy one, get two free. Oh, geez. And I drove oh, right past and I cried a little. <laughs> but but the thing cool. about it is, is, is when you live in such a small space, yeah. what, you, what you bring into the space is sometimes very, very intentional, or what you don't bring into the space sometimes very, very, very intentional. Mm-hmm. But the clutter still builds up. You make that decision every day, yep. but yet it's still like some of it must be yeah. like the like the dust bunnies or the missing sock. Like, mm-hmm. how did this get in mm-hmm. here? So yeah, sorry. Okay, so Mandy, it seems like um, so you've been on the road for two years. Mm-hmm. You got your first trailer stolen in that first part of that first year. No, the trailer was stolen actually. Um, 
so I, I owned the trailer for a year before I decided to live in it. And when I decided to live in it, it was when I was still in my apartment. And as I was like moving into it, Mm -hmm. as I was packing all my stuff and getting rid of all my things, Mm -hmm. that's when it was stolen. Um, right before I was meant to move into it. Okay. And then the new one came, I picked it up and I lived in that new one for a year. Got it. And now I've been in this other trailer. Okay. So. And and when did you get re- divorced relative to the f- getting acquiring oh, the first Oh, it was it was honestly it was years ago. Oh, okay. It was years before I ever I mean it was 10 years ago. But um I had spent the 5 years before I moved into the teardrop before I went on that vacation, I was crazy depressed for years and years and years. Like I cried every day. I hated my life. And that's why when I went to the mountains and I was like really happy for a minute, it was so emotional. And that's why watching this one sunrise over the Tetons changed my whole life because I had been so depressed for so long and I found something that made me happy. And that's why my parents too, people always wonder, why are your parents so supportive? You just, you know, you quit quit your job and moved into a teardrop. And it's like, because they knew how upset I was Mm -hmm. and just seeing something that made me happy. They were like, we don't care what it is. It makes you happy. You you know, go do it. So it's interesting. So you you divorced many years ago and then you were depressed all this time before you Uh had the Tetons experience. What was going on with you in that period when you were depressed? Did you put your finger on it? Um, you know, that's a, that's a very in-depth, difficult question. Um, and I think it's different for everyone, but Um, I think it was depressed for a lot of reasons, but the thing that did not help was living this life that I wasn't meant to be living, having, I was living in a town, which I had moved to when I was married. So when I got divorced, I didn't have family there. Mm. I didn't have, Mm. I had a decent job, but it wasn't a career. Mm. So I was just living and working there just because that's where I was. And I think people often just get stuck out of circumstance. Like it's just where they end up and then they end up working these routines. And, and I had a lot of great friends in Austin and I liked the city, but it just, it wasn't where I was meant to be. And I wasn't meant to be working in a stationary job. My, you know, it sounds cheesy to say, you know, I had wanderlust, but like I did, I just, I wasn't meant to sit still. And, uh, and I, I don't think I knew it at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just, I was just generally sad. So in the you know, and, so in the in this in the experience of being genuinely sad, you didn't know what was going on, and then the result of going out there to the Tetons was kind of like, right, oh, this is it. yeah, and and it, I guess that was the moment when you. So I was going to ask, how did you know that it, you weren't meant to be a a, a camera shop, uh, pogue, <laughs> for lack of a better word? <laughs> how did you know? How did you know that you were meant uh, to be out on the road like you are now? I don't think it's something you can I think you need a moment like what I had a lot of people call it your aha moment yeah Mm -hmm. a lot of people you just need your aha moment and it's it's not something you can force or expect I it was completely unexpected for me I planned on going on this vacation and coming back to work and just continuing on with life um and I think part of it is that I grew up in Colorado so I grew up around the mountains and then um I spent, you know, a good 10 years in Austin away from the mountains. So for me, my aha moment was when I got to go watch the sunrise over these magnificent mountains, um, it touched me on an emotional level, Mm -hmm. which not everybody would be, but everybody has something like that. Something that is like, 
holy crap, this, this is where I meant to be. Yeah. And, uh, and it was like, I had forgotten about it almost like I knew I loved the mountains, but I guess I had kind of not realized how much I missed them. And so it, you know, that was my moment. And, and it's not the same, like not everybody's meant to live on the road. Right. Some people try it and hate it, of course. but, um, that's what it was for me. And I think you just have to experience something that, you know, makes you realize what, what makes you happy and then not be afraid to be a little bit selfish mm -hmm. in making yourself happy. Mm -hmm. I think that was the other problem I had is that those years I was in Austin, I spent a lot of time trying to make other people happy, other people in relationships, other people, just the people around me. I spent time trying to make them happy and I didn't want to do things for me because I felt guilty. And I had to get over that. I had to say, you know what, Mandy, you can do what you want to make you happy because at the end of the day, we're the only ones responsible for our own happiness. Right on. You know? So. Yeah, that's what I was gonna that's what I was gonna mention too. It's it's one thing to have an aha moment or it's one thing to be inspired. I think what truly separates the the men from the boys and the women from the girls is having the having the bravery and the drive and the passion and the push to do something about it, you know, to mm -hmm. live to live your most authentic version of yourself and then suddenly become this entirely different person that people that knew you before. <laughs> they're like, whoa, yeah. I haven't seen you in forever. Right. And it's like a totally different person. Yeah. yeah. And you have and, to, and you that have that to set aside all I your insecurities. Kind of hit and, the road. Yeah. Keep going. After I hit the road and I was like, kind of happy I came back and I visited Austin again and you know when you haven't seen somebody for a while it's like did you cut your hair whatever <laughs> what happened yeah. to you people would be that people except they'd say this and I didn't realize how depressed I must have been but I'd go in and they'd say hi and they'd be like what happened to you Mandy and I'd be like I don't know what are you talking about they're like you're smiling mm -hmm. like we haven't seen you smile ever and I'd be like really so I had a similar experience just in Austin a few weeks ago. I saw someone in Austin that I haven't seen in more than 20 years. And she kind of said the same thing. It's like, wow, you're like a totally different person, you know, from the person that she knew. We knew each other very, very well. Um, totally different person from what she knew before. And it, it comes from living your passion, I think. Yeah, so, definitely. Mm -hmm. So um, you say, you, so you've worked in camera stores. One of the... <laughs> By the way, one of the things that's really easy to get uh, carried away with is uh, yeah. is uh, the equipment and our passion, our passion collection, shall we say. Mm -hmm. So how do you stay? So, you know, my boyfriend, Mark, is also a photographer. So and he, you know, there's so much gadgetry and so oh, many yeah. different yeah. bodies and, you know, bodies and filters and lenses and packs. And So how do you stay focused? Because it'd be easy to justify, right? If this is your if this is your living, it'd be easy to justify giving, getting every single bell and stupid whistle that comes with every camera. Um, oh how, yeah, for how, sure. How do you stay focused? Hey, pun intended. Well, <laughs> part of it is, you know, I know what I need and I know what I want. And so I make sure I have everything I need and percentage wise of my belongings and of everything that's in the car and stored um, a quite a, quite a large percent of it is photo gear, which is fine with me. It's totally justified. It's the one thing that we kind of decided we're not going to be too 
limiting on because it is not only my passion, but it is also the thing that makes us money. So um, we do give it a good percentage of our space. Um, but at the same time, it's also knowing, well, do you need this? Do you want it? Do you already have one of it? Do you need more of it? Um, and keeping all of that in check all the time. And then also I can't afford a lot of the photo toys I want. <laughs> so some of it's just us sitting on a wish list. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have, you know, that's one area where we try not to be too limiting because it is a passion and a source of income. So, um, I'd rather give up clothes than camera gear. Mm. Mandy, why does, why do the trailers, the t- trailers of the type that you have while they're called new camp, they have this T at sign B. Oh, tabs. those are the, um, the model name. So like the make is new camp. And then the models are, um, the little teardrop is the tag, which is the T at G. Uh-huh. And then the one I'm in now is the T at B. It's just a little bit bigger. And that's just them being cute with the model names. That's just what they call their models. Really doesn't mean anything beyond that. It was their marketing people came up with that some years ago. Okay. I mean, the the shape kind of looks like that letter shape, kind of. Oh, I guess it kind of does. does. I never really really made that connection. It does. Hmm. Um, Another reason I, I kind of chose what I chose initially with the teardrop versus like a big camper Mm -hmm. is that I wanted something I knew I wanted to travel a lot and um, I knew I wanted something easy to tow and that could, I didn't want anything to limit where I went. I didn't want to not be able to go somewhere because what I was pulling was too big. So that's why I went tiny, 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 tiniest of the tiny Mm -hmm. is because even some RVs you buy are too big to go down certain roads, dirt roads. Um, and uh, so the trailer I've got now is a Outback model, which has is on big tires and it's tiny. And I can take that thing down dirt roads, muddy roads, up mountains. Interesting. It's like and a have. blooming onion. And have. <laughs> and have, yeah. Do you, is, is there ever a time when you feel like, um, I want a meal, but it's crappy outside and I don't feel like going out there and cooking out in the outdoors? So... When I was in the teardrop with the outdoor kitchen, yes. But then I also realized I used to feel like that in my apartment. And, (laughs) you know, all the times you order in pizza or sandwiches or whatever, um, I would have days where I'd go to the grocery store and I would buy um, like veggies and hummus and chips and like, you know, hand food that you didn't have to cook. And I would sit inside the teardrop and I would just eat whatever I bought at the grocery store. That to me was equivalent to ordering in or, you know, buying food and taking it home, which we do all the time anyway, right? right. So um, I actually really liked having the outdoor kitchen. The one I'm in now has an indoor kitchen oh. and it is really nice for the mornings I want to wake up and make coffee and not go outside when it's cold or if it's raining. But on days when it's really nice, I actually miss the outdoor kitchen quite a bit because it was really nice uh-huh. to be able to stand out somewhere beautiful and yeah. just make a meal, you know. That makes sense. But it is nice to have the indoor one when it's, you know, raining or whatever. Hum- hummus is the official food of teardrops, I think. Because that's, I, I, that's what I do a lot of. Hummus, I, yeah. I think it's, that's what I eat when I travel with uh, Eris. And just I have one cooler 
teeny tiny cooler. And um, otherwise, you go to the grocery store and buy deli food or that's actually eat a good fresh point. food. Uh-huh. And How much you get? You're also eating, eating mm-hmm. fresh food mm-hmm. when you do it that much. You're also eating <clears throat> way, way, way more fresh food and way less processed food. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. So that's what I do. I might tear up, which doesn't have a kitchen at all, indoors, outdoors, or otherwise. So <laughs> I would have to set up a table and set, you know light up the fire or the propane and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the I actually eat out very little. People assume we eat out a lot, but um, very little actually. We can keep a fully stocked kitchen with just kind of snacky food, um, and yeah, lots of hummus, salsa, dip type stuff. But mm-hmm. we can cook too, you know. I mean, right. we've got a stove, and the only thing we don't have is an oven. Um, oh, thanks. So sometimes we miss we miss baking. But <laughs> is there is there any a time when your boyfriend thinks? You know what, uh, Manny, I'd really like to go mountain climbing right now. Oh, every single day? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, that is that is a little difficult of a thing because we we both would like to be in the mountains a little more than we are, but um, there's a lot of beautiful things in this country and a lot of things to photograph. And so um, we probably don't spend as much time in the mountains as we'd like, but we're headed back there for December and, um, you know, I wish I could make money mountain climbing, but I can't. (laughs) So you do a lot of, um, it appears as if you do a lot of promotional work for the company that made the the teardrop. Do you have sponsors or Patreon or anything else that that sort of helps you stay on the road and keep doing what you're doing? Yeah, um, I don't do Patreon, but I do just have some personal sponsorships. And um, New Camp does sponsor me. And they've been absolutely wonderful to work for. And that's something that I didn't anticipate going on the road. It just kind of happened with the relationship we built once I started living in their campers. Right. Um, so that was really great. And then I also, you know, I get small, they're not really paid or anything to live off of, but you can get sponsorships of equipment and gear through camera companies. And um, even just exposure is super helpful. So there's a lot of camera companies that I work with too um, that we just, you know, they help advertise and they'll, they'll help give me gear and, um, things like that. So, but again, that's all stuff. It's not just like free money and free stuff. It's all stuff I've worked for and I have to do stuff in return for. So, um, you know, the camper company, they sponsor me, but in return, I've, I, you know, have deliverables I have to give them as well. So, like what? um, I do a lot of photos for them, a lot of videos. I go to a certain number of events for them every oh. year. Um, you know, and just being a good advocate for them. Yeah. So essentially, you're kind of like their freelance photographer person. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Kind of a contract. I think they actually made me business cards one day and they asked me what I wanted my title to be. I said, I don't care what it is. And they said, all right. And they sent them to me and I'm their chief adventure ambassador. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. That's what, my, uh, nice. that's what my business card says. So. I think we should all have, we should all have something like yeah. that in our business card. Mm-hmm. Definitely should yeah, have chief cool. at the beginning. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's got to be chief at the beginning. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mandy, it was wonderful uh, talking with you and having you on the show today and talking about photography. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for letting me spout out about all my passions. <laughs> sure thing. Absolutely. And Tiny House listeners, so here we are in January, recording in <laughs> November. <laughs> it feels really weird. You're listening in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, keep on listening because we're going to keep on cranking out some really good, interesting people uh, interview or visiting with us both in studio and online.
Mark, do we have any um, interviews? You know, uh, I was just going to look, but by the time I find it, it's okay, going to take a long That's story. Okay. But we Maybe. have wonderful reviews. Please come leave more people. Yes, please. So I can tell you, though, that I uh, just got back from an event, and it's super fun to be out. People will recognize my voice, and they'll be like, oh, I love your show. So there you go. That's that's your that's view for today. You that's go. your okay. view for today. Like that's it. how we met Rick McNerney. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's your review for the day. At least six people, you know, tap me on the shoulder. Nice. We do selfies. It's it's super fun. Every everywhere I go now, I get, I get the we love your show thing. So nice. That's good. We should rent you out to do like people's, you know, answering machine. Oh messages. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I did with <laughs> Carl Castle. Yeah yeah. 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 Of course, it also helps that I wear. My vest that says hostess with the mostest oh, tiny house right. podcast on the vest. <laughs> but that's mainly for like airports where people don't know who I am. Right. You know, that's funny. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. Uh, Rick, thanks for making us sound wonderful. Uh, audience, thanks for continuing to listen to our rambles. Uh, guests in the future and in the past, thank you too. Okay. Bye, everybody. You're so thankful. I know. It's Thanksgiving <laughs> in January. <laughs> Namaste. Be ya, be ya. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if you remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Main. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>